You had no army, no palace, yet you wore your crown in a way no king could challenge. You knew. You knew from day one when you rode in with the sun that you were the king of hopes, the prince of peace, that palm leaves would be placed at your feet, that the prophecy of all time would soon be fulfilled, that from your scars, our souls would be eternally healed. You knew. You knew you were the sacrificial lamb, a martyr for man, the prey, the price, God's redemptive plan, that you'd face condemnation at Calvary, that you'd be marked and displayed for all to see. You knew. You knew you were his majesty sublime, set to calm the storms of time, that all sins will be forgiven through God's unchanging rhythm. That before Adam's first breath, first sin, first sunrise, that we'd see Hosanna in your eyes. Beautiful savior, king of creation, son of God, son of man, and O light of our soul, our joy, our crown. We love you, we serve only you, we praise you, and all along, you knew. And so this is the beginning of Passion Week. Some of you are going, yes, I need some passion in my life. It's about time. Not that kind of passion. Different, different subject for a different time. Passion Week, if you don't know what it is, Passion Week is the week, the, it focuses on the last week on the life of Jesus. And today we know it as Palm Sunday, and so in honor of that, I, I, I brought this. Um, I actually stopped at the OB campus on the way and, and cut it off. Um, please don't anybody tell Pastor Carter, he doesn't know about this. But anyway, um, so let me, let me just tell you uh, about, about Palm Sunday. So Jesus, um, actually we've got kind of a cool picture here. Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. And um, at, this, at this particular time, he's attained what I would call sort of like rock star status. He's, he, he's, everybody knows about Jesus. Every, everybody knows about Jesus. Uh, but there's a lot of varying opinions about Jesus. Uh, some people believe that he is who he says he is, that he's the, the Son of God, the Messiah, God incarnate. Uh, some people are absolutely opposed to him. Uh, and, and then there's all these people that just that runs the full, full uh, spectrum of different beliefs about who he is. But he's controversial at the very least. As, as he's making his way in on this particular Palm Sunday, people began to, to throw, throw these down and as he's riding over as a way of honoring him. And they begin to shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us now. Save us now. Jesus was hugely disappointing. Because he didn't save them now. What's interesting is that just a few days later, the same people that were throwing down the palm branches and saying, Hosanna, save us now, yes, with these huge expectations that he would be the Messiah, would be shouting, crucify him, kill him. The very same people. Now, how could that shift so quickly? See, there was a belief that the Messiah was going to, in the minds of the people, especially 2,000 years ago, was going to liberate them from their oppressors, the Roman Empire. And the save us now was kind of like, so do it. Come on. You've been saying you're the Messiah. You're saying you can deliver us. Do it. And, and they were a lot, to some degree, like you and I. 2,000 years later, we say, we don't even say the word Hosanna, 
But there's that part of us that says, God, save me now. Like, get me out of my situation now. Bring the relief now. Now, now. I don't have any patience. Come on, now. And as a result, a lot of people bail out on God and turn on God. And so we have a lot to talk about this morning. Um, We're going to talk about what it means to have a spiritual, like a thriving spiritual life. How many of you like to have a thriving spiritual life? How many of you know that it's not always that easy to have a thriving spiritual life? Kind of we just sort of like go up and down, you know, like, you know, it is. Sometimes we're like, man, it just feels so good right now. And then a month later, it's like, eh. So today, we're, we're going to talk, what does that look like? And how do you have a thriving spiritual life? And we're going to see it uh, through the book of John. We've been in the book of John for the last several weeks. And we've been talking about these statements that Jesus made. We call them the I am statements. And the I am statements are about Jesus' proclamation that he is God. Every time that he says, I am, he's actually drawing on the I am of the Old Testament, where where God spoke to Moses and said, I am who I am. So that whenever Jesus said, I am, he said, I remember he said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. Uh, I am the gate, the door. Uh, I I am the good shepherd. Last week, we talked about the fact that he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So he's making these huge statements, and it's getting him in a bit of trouble um, because people, on many occasions, they, they pick up stones, and they say, you're saying it, you're God, and Jesus is saying, yeah, you got it. It's exactly what I'm saying. So um, John's firsthand account here is this. You might recall last week that they had just finished up with what we call the Last Supper, and things had gone horribly wrong. Uh, I know we all see the beautiful picture of the Last Supper, but it was just, it was nothing like the picture portrays. Judas Iscariot has betrayed him. He's left the room. Uh, all, the, all the guys are spinning. Uh, Peter is saying, I'll never deny you, and yet he's going to already deny him. Uh, and so all of this stuff is going on. And so finally, after dinner, uh, probably with upset stomachs, some of them, just stressing out, like their whole world is just spinning they begin to make their way to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where Jesus will pray the high priestly prayer. A lot of you know about that. But on their way over there, it's thought that perhaps they were passing some vineyards. And so Jesus begins to talk to them about what it means to have a deep relationship with God, what that looks like. And he uses a metaphor. He talks about the vineyard. And so these are some of his last words that he will speak before he goes to his trial and, and to his, his crucifixion. And just, just for a moment, I want, you, I want you to think about this. What would you say to the people that you love the most if you only had a few minutes, maybe, maybe an hour, and say, uh, I, I want to tell you something. You'd make it count. You'd make every word count. And this is what Jesus does as he's talking to not only his disciples, but all these years later, he talks to us, his disciples. So let's pick it up. Verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Now, when he says the word remain, uh, some translations say abide. Pay attention to that. He says it seven times. Now, we're talking about how to have a thriving spiritual life. He just keeps on saying, stay, abide, remain, don't run, in other words. He says, remain in me. 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In other words, you've got to stay connected. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he says this, and you might underline this in your Bibles if you have Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory. Catch what he's saying. This is my Father's glory. This is what your life is about, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. In other words, this is the defining mark of a follower of Jesus. He's saying, if you want to know what it looks like to be my disciple and to truly follow me and be connected to me, your life is going to produce this fruit. And we'll talk about that, what that looks like a little bit. In verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Yet, a lot of times we don't think this, you know, especially if you are struggling with God, you think, I don't know, man, God just seems like this like, sort of cosmic killjoy. And over and over and over again, he goes, no, I want you to be happy. I want you to have joy. I want you to have that. It's just that sometimes our idea of getting there is really different than his way of getting there. He wants us to have real, real joy in our, in our life. My, my commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. <laughs> that is so hard. That is so hard. No big deal. Just love each other. This is, this is okay, we'll just go on. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, catch what he's saying, because he's, he's talking real communal family language here. You are my friends if you do what I command. But I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that wherever you, whatever you ask in my name, that the father will give you. This is my command, Love each other. Notice he just keeps saying that, remain in me, remain in me, love each other, love each other. So what, what is Jesus talking about? And he's using, obviously, a metaphor. He's talking about us being connected when he says, I am the true vine. So first of all, catch the I am. Say, I am God. He's saying it one more time. I am the true vine. I'm the one that you, you need to be connected to. So Jesus is defining the kind of relationships that you and I will have with him and the kind of relationships that we'll have with, with each other. So just sort of lay it out so we understand the metaphor. It goes like this. I am the true vine, and my father is the, is the gardener. I, I love the, the idea of Jesus being the vine, okay, and we're connected to him. And then I think of the gardener. Whenever I think of a gardener, I think of a guy walking around doing this, right? We're going to talk about this. This is one of the things that a, a gardener will do. So here's Jesus, I'm the vine, and he goes, and, and my, my father, who loves you so much, he's attending to the garden, and, um, and, and he's helping you, your, your loving heavenly father. And then this is the hinge point, really, right here. In, in verse 12, he says, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, how much did he love us all the way to the cross? How much did he love us sacrificially? 
How much did he love us? Over and over and over, he, he loved us. And when I say it's the most difficult thing that you'll ever do, it, it really is. I mean, on a good day, you know, you're feeling good and everything's working well. You're like, I feel good. I, I think I can love people today. But what about the bad days? Last week, I, uh, I, I just left church, and I was feeling really good about last week. I thought, oh, we had a good service, you know, taught, met some new people, just feeling kind of like on top of the world, and I'm driving back to my house. And, and uh, I came to this one intersection, and uh, somebody was making a left-hand turn, and maybe this has happened to you. And then there's a person in, in back of them just sitting there. So I went around. The left person was making a left-hand turn, and the person in back of them. Uh, well, the person in back of them didn't like what I did for some reason. And so they zoomed out, got right in back of me, and I got the extended middle finger, you know, from this, this woman. And she just continued just to leave it up there, you know. And I'm like, really? Like, what is the big deal? I just went around you, you know. I mean, it's so, is that so bad? But I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm telling you a little bit about myself. And maybe some of you can relate to this. I have this issue. I get angry when other people get angry. Anybody ever like that? I, something just, it, it, it just gets inside of me, and I'm like, I just want to just like, you know. Um, and yet, the Bible tells me, I need to love you. I need to love you. When, when, you, when, you, when you flip me off, I need to love you. And, and when you say stupid things, and, and I, I just need to love you. That's why, this is the hinge point right here. Jesus says, unless you're connected to me, you know, I'll just use this as an example. So I cut this off this morning, right? You know what? It's not connected anymore. You know what's going to happen to this branch? It's going to wither and die, right? Because it's no longer, con- it's not a part of the life source of the tree anymore. And, and Jesus is saying to us, look, unless you're connected to me, like maybe you are just one of those people that you're born with a real sense of compassion and love and everything, and that's great. But what God is after is he wants you to be the very best version of yourself. And he's after fruit. And fruit is our ability to love other, other people. And so Jesus defines this, this lasting relationship that we have this, this fruit to come out of our life. And he says it this way, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, a lot of you walked in here this morning, maybe you've been a Christ follower for a long time, and you said, huh, that's funny. I thought I chose him. I remember the date. I remember kind of how it happened even. And what you need to know is Jesus is going, actually, long before you chose me, I actually chose you. I've always chose you. I've loved you. Maybe you walked in this morning, you're feeling kind of shamed about something that's going on in your life. You need to know that. He chose you. He's just waiting for you to choose him if you haven't. But look what he says. To do what? To do what? To, to, to bear fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That's, he says that's what he wants us to do, to live a life of love, that our life is defined by love, and it, and it looks like something. So he says, we are the branches, right? I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he says that very famous line, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Notice that there's a condition here. Now, how many of you, when, when it comes to God loving us, he loves us unconditionally? Does everybody agree with that? Uncon- the Bible's from, from cover to cover. God loves us unconditionally. That, that's unconditional love. But when it comes to God's promises, there are conditions. And so, for instance, this is one of those conditions. Jesus says, if you remain in me, if you stay connected to me, then good things are going to happen, and your life is going to look 
like something. It's going to look like love. It's going to look like a life of service and a life of compassion and a life of caring. But here's the condition. He says, if not, it ain't going to happen. It's just, you're not going to receive my blessing. It's not, it's not like one of those things where God is wagging his finger and I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's just going, this is just the way it is. If you want to be everything that I created you to be, to love like you could never love, to, to love people that flip you off, all right? Just to love people that drive you crazy. Stay connected to me. And you'll be able to do it. Do things you never thought you could do. So the branch, let's talk about the branch. Branches are sustained when they stay connected to the life force. That's why he says, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now, how many of you have grown up around vineyards? I, I did. I, I lived in a little town in Northern California called Gilroy, and we had vineyards all over the place. I, every time that I, I drove into town, I had to go buy vineyards. We had some really good vineyards out there, some really wine, good wine comes from Northern California in that particular area. And so I had an opportunity to watch how they took care of the vineyards and how every once in a while they'd come out there and they'd prune and there'd be branches all over the place. And so there are some that are, they, they wither. They're, they're actually thrown out. And then there'd be that time of the year. I don't know if they still do this because of all the different environmental laws, but they would burn them up, and they'd throw them in these big old heaps, and they would burn all these, all these branches. It was really cool. Sometimes the year had come by, and that's when the fruit was on it, and you'd just see beautiful grapes all over the place. And then there's some vineyards where they actually leave the grapes on the vine, and they start to wither, and what do they call those? Raisins, right. See, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a raisin in this stage of my life. I've kind of gone from being a grape and moving towards being a raisin. And I just, I just want all of the raisins in here to know God still loves us and he has a plan for us. We're going to be fruitful. Maybe, maybe we're not you know, getting the, the juice out of us anymore, but we're, getting, we're, we're raisins, okay? So I'm speaking to you too today. All right. Branches, they've got to be pruned. Now, this is, this is the part that's kind of painful. He says in, in, in verse 2, he cuts every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll even be more fruitful. When I was growing up, my, my grandfather, the, the one that comes from Sicily, I, I don't know, Italian, old Italian men love fruit trees. And so that was my grandfather. And I remember one day I, I saw him out there with the, pr- the pruning shears, and he's just pruning this tree. And I was talking to my dad about it, and I said, Dad, I think Grandpa just killed the tree. And my dad looks at me with a big smile, and he goes, no, no, he, he knows what he's doing. I said, but it, it looks like he killed a tree, like there's nothing on that tree anymore. And uh, several months later, I came back, and that tree was just flourishing. It had fruit and everything, and I'm like, wow. And then I watched my dad, and my dad, uh, you know, loved fruit trees. In fact, today, uh, my dad passed away a couple years ago, but where he used to live, he got fruit trees all over the place. And I used to watch him do the same thing, just go out there, just do that. Now, if, if, if fruit trees or, or if uh, vineyards, or in a vineyard, all the grape uh, trees or whatever they are, not grape vineyards, grape vines, yeah, there we go. If they could talk, what do you think they'd say when this is going on? Ah! Ow! Ooh! Ooh! And yet, that's, that what, that's what gets the fruit out of it, right? And so, I'm thinking about, what does that look like? If God's going to, if he wants us to be productive, fruitful people, people that have lives full of love, what's, what, how, what does that look like? And I'm thinking that maybe he comes around to one, to one of us, and maybe our issue is pride, and he goes, got to get rid of that pride, and when God does something like that, he usually does it sort of through circumstances in our life. And, and we're like, ah, that hurts. 
That hurts because pride doesn't go easy. Or maybe it's, maybe it's ego. Or, or, or maybe it is anger, you know, me, you know. I'd, see, here's the thing. A lot of times when you and I pray, we go, oh, God, I just, oh, make me a loving person. Just want to love everybody, you know. <laughs> just, oh, make, just put love in my life, you know. And, and God says, okay. And we think that he's just like, so, I don't know, we're going to sleep and by osmosis or something, we'll wake up in the morning, we'll just love people, it'll all be good. That's not how God works. God says, you want to learn how to love? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put somebody in your life and teach you how to love. And this is going to be the most obnoxious, irritating person you can possibly imagine. And then somewhere, and this is the pruning going on, right? And we don't like pruning. We're going, okay, God, you know that prayer about love? Yeah, you know, just if you take that person out of my life, then I think I can love everybody else. And God's going, no, no, no. I put that person in your life so that you will learn how to love. How about, how about patience? Anybody ever pray for patience? Yeah, some of you learned your lesson about that, right? God, I just need more patience. And God says, oh, I'm glad you asked. And, and then so he starts doing this, and he starts just through circumstances. And I, I feel like I'm in one of those seasons in my life right now. And, and it's, it, it's a lot of story, and I'm not going to tell you about it. But I'm just, there's a lot of stuff going on in my life right now for the last couple of years. And I, feel, I thought I was, like, really doing okay. And I think God said, no, we're, gonna, we're going for it this time, Steve. A lot, of, a lot of pruning going on in my life. And, and that's, that's what God does. Now, sometimes, because God loves us so much, the pruning has something to do with correction. Anybody ever get out of line with God? Come on. All of us have, right, at different times. I have, all of us have. And so the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that, that because God loves us so much, that because we are his children, that he will bring at various times discipline into our life when we need it. And a good father, a father who loves his children, will discipline his children if they need it. And discipline doesn't feel good. That's what it says in Hebrews. Go, we don't like it at the time. But we're thankful, we're thankful for it afterwards. I'll never forget one time, um, I think I just got my, my driver's license, and um, I was anxious to get in my dad's Ford truck and go for a drive. And so I asked my dad, hey, dad, dad can, can I use the truck? Just got my license, you know. And he said, yeah, yeah. As he's handing me the keys, he says, now, I want you just to go straight over to your buddy's house, Sammy, and straight back. Don't go anywhere else. Gotcha. Gotcha, dad. Hopped in the truck, went straight to Sammy's house. I said, get in. He gets in. We're driving all over town, man. And I'm in the, this is the little tiny town of Gilroy. So it's like, at that time, probably three or 4,000 people. And uh, just, you know, going, just driving like a maniac, like a new driver, just like, having so much fun in my Ford truck, my, my, my best friend. And uh, we got spotted by somebody who calls my dad up. And, and so, you know, I, I come back the next day. So I spent the night at Sammy's house, come back the next day. And my dad, so how was it anyway? I go, oh, good, good, yeah. Just go straight to Sammy's house and straight back? Yep. <laughs> Why are you lying to me? No, no. What do you mean? He goes, I heard you were driving all over town. Not only that, you were driving like a maniac. Oh, man, I didn't know what to say. So guess what? Dad took the truck away from me for a couple of weeks. I didn't feel very good. But you know what? That's, that's what a good dad does. And I learned my lesson. You know, if dad said, just go straight to somebody's house, that's what I did. That's kind of a, a picture of what he does in our life. Not because he doesn't love us, because sometimes we just get out of bounds. Sometimes we go off the rails, right? 
And God goes, I love you so much that I'm going to have to bring some discipline into your life because I'm your dad. I'm daddy. And I'm going to help you to be more fruitful. And the way you're going to do this is you're going to learn obedience. And that, that's, by the way, that is the love. You want to know what the love language of God is? It's obedience. Obedience. Just learning to follow his, his lead. Pruning. That's hard. So what's the proof? What is the proof in the, in, in the fruit? Well, he says, this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Because actually, fruit can either be good or bad, right? You ever, you ever, you know, like, let's just take grapes, since he's talking about vineyards and stuff. You ever put a grape in your mouth, and you're just getting ready for something sweet, and it's like, oh, sour grape, right? And, and, and so the Bible says there's good fruit and there's bad fruit. And God is after good fruit. He's after the kind of fruit that, that looks like love and compassion and reaching our potential and serving and, and caring about other people. So we've got to stay connected to Jesus to increase our capacity to, to, to bear more fruit. To, in other words, remain. Because my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. And then he says it, says it this way, greater has no one than this, that he lay one's life down for friends. You know, that, that's just sacrificial love. And sacrificial love is hard. Like, we're all busy, right? We all got our schedules. We all have our, our goals. We're all, the, you know, what, what our life, we want it to look like. And, and somewhere in the middle of that, God says, I want you to bear fruit. I, I, I want you to serve. I want you to love. I want you to care. And that's, that's what that bearing fruit thing is all about. Here's why you need to stay connected. If we stay connected to Jesus... We're going to be able to do things we never, ever, ever could have done. We, we say it this way, that the vine takes care of me and my fruit takes care of other people, the things that are coming out of my life. That's why he says no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know what's going to happen is that you are just going to run out of steam if you try to do it apart from being connected. Again, I take this. This is actually right now as I hold it, by degrees, it's slowly dying. It's no, long, no longer connected to the tree that I took it from this morning. It's dying. A lot of times, it's not that we run away from God. We just slowly kind of just drift away from God. We just sort of drift away in our relationships. And usually, we don't drift in healthy directions. That's why it just requires absolute focus. This whole remaining business, you say, well, what, what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like prayer. It looks like communication. I've been married for 38 years, and most of those years have been pretty good. There have been a few tough years. And I can tell you this. In the tough years, it was because communication wasn't happening, mostly on my side. Because you've got to work at a good marriage, right? And we also have to work at our relationship with Jesus. And when communication ceases, I'm not praying, I'm not communicating, things just begin to not work. So we've got to pray. And then... And then and I know that what I'm saying, you know, you're going, oh, this is what you guys say all the time. Read the Bible, pray, accept. That's how you stay connected. See, when, when, we, when we pray, that's us communicating with God. When we read the Bible, that's God speaking back to us, his word. And, and uh, I just, just want to say this, too. If you're new to the Bible, keep reading, keep reading. It gets better and better and better and better. It's an acquired taste. And, and the more that you read it, the more you'll want to. And some of you say, well, I'm not a reader. You can listen to it now, audio all over the place. Go to version. It's all out there. How about life groups? 
When you, when you look at grapes, they're in clusters, aren't they? Like you don't just see the vine and then one little cluster and go, well, there it is. No, there's clusters all over the place. That's why we do life groups. Some of the things that encourage me the most that just get me pumped up spiritually are when I'm with you at your home or in a life group with you and we begin to talk about what's going on in our life and about what's going on with God in our life. That's why it's so important. So this idea of like, oh, no, no, the ocean is my church, my sanctuary. Actually, that's not biblical at all because we grow by helping each other and supporting each other, praying for each other. That's part of the way that we grow. How do you remain? Those are, those are some of the ways that you remain. How do you have a, 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 a spiritual life that is vibrant? Those are some of the ways that we do it. And I would say serving. There's something about serving that just it begins to grow us. It, it, it begins to do something inside of us that makes us love people more. When you begin to serve people, especially if you serve people that maybe you don't particularly are not comfortable with, maybe people you don't even like that much, you go, I'm just going to serve them anyway. It'll do something profound in your heart. But it's all, it's all about connection. So the question is, what is the, what is the quality and quantity of the fruit that's coming from, from your life right now? We call the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Look at it. Is, is all this happening in your life right now? Now, this is the goal right here, that we would uh, have love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Got all that going on? Hey, look at That's a lifetime pursuit. It isn't, isn't it? I mean, you might, you might go, well, I got about uh, six of them. That's good. What about the other ones? That's why we have to stay connected. That's why we have to be persistent, focused, say, okay, God, every single day get up and go, God, I want to be the best version of myself. The Bible says that we were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. That's, that, that's, what, that's what your mission is. That's what my mission is in life. And we've got to stay on point. We have to stay connected. And so the question is, are we bearing fruit that actually benefits other people? Not just that we go, you know, some of that stuff is in my life, but I'm an amazing person. Well, okay, that might be the case. You might be an amazing person, but are you, is your life actually benefiting other people? Two years ago, I did a funeral for a woman named Mary Vasquez. Mary Vasquez uh, was one of the greatest, most amazing people I've ever met in my life. She was my second mom. When I was 12 years old, uh, Mary Vasquez came into my life. Her son was my best friend. And for about eight years, uh, I had the privilege of uh, actually spending more time at her home than I did in my own home. Uh, her, I've told some of you this before, but my home was not particularly a safe home. My, my mother was, you know, today they would call it bipolar, and she suffered bouts of various mental disorders. And so it, it was really tough to be in my home. And so I would go to her home and hang out with, with my best friend. But every time I came there, when, when you walked into a room, you were the center of attention when you walked into a room where Mary Vasquez was. So full of love. Quickly, there'd be an enchilada in a plate. And she just made the best enchiladas I've ever tasted in my life. And, and, and the room would be full of laughter. She was one of the most non-judgmental people I've ever met, although she was in church every time the doors open, which blew me away because I knew a lot of church people back then that were like pretty judgmental. 
she never ever judged us, even when we were not always behaving real well. Remember one time we, uh, she gave us 20 bucks. I say we, her son, Sammy, and myself. It was Christmas time, and she said, go get us a, a Christmas tree. This is obviously a long time ago for $20. <laughs> said, okay. We got in the car. We headed. My buddy Sammy and I started looking around, and we saw it was kind of on a Sunday. I still remember it, and it was kind of getting late in the evening. And uh, we went by the first one, and they were closed down. And it occurred to us that if we jumped the fence and got the tree, we wouldn't have to pay anything. We could keep the 20 bucks. So uh, we did. And we, we came home with that tree, and we set it in front of Mary, and Mary goes, nice, nice. She goes, something's up with you, boys. What is it? We were kind of being a little giggly. Oh, nothing, nothing. She goes, no, no, you, what is it? Nothing. She goes, you stole it, didn't you? We were like, yeah, yeah, we did. And she thought it was hilarious, man. <laughs> The Vasquez's celebrated Christmas with a stolen Christmas tree that year. <laughs> but, I, but I love the fact that, 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 that she bubbled over with love. And when I, when, I, when I performed the funeral two years ago, the place was packed with everybody that was just saying, she just, when you walked into her room, you knew that you were loved. You knew that you were accepted. You knew that she cared. She didn't have a college education. She was a school bus driver, and yet her life spoke volumes. But not just then. Because of what she did, it lives beyond her. Her kids and her grandkids are amazing people. See, that's, that's what God wants. When he says, stay connected, stay connected. Don't run away. Remain. That's what we're talking about. He wants to do something amazing in our life. And the only way that it can happen, friends, the only way it can happen is if we stay connected to Jesus. I want to leave you with this prayer. Um, and then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask our ushers if they come up here. I wanted to, I wanted to leave you uh, all with uh, an invite card. And the invite card is if, to invite somebody this Easter. And, and the reason that I feel compelled to do this it's because there would be a great act of compassion and caring and loving towards somebody who doesn't maybe have a relationship with God. They're not connected. Um, and, and so I, just for a moment, I want you just to maybe think who that person would be in your life. I've already invited several people to come, and um, I'm hoping they come, praying about that they'll come. And, but I just invite you to do the same thing. And so um, let me read this. In fact, let's just, just read this together. This is kind of cool. I saw it the other day, and I thought I'd just like to close with it. And it's about connection. So it says, cling to me. Stick fast to me. Live your life close to me. Get nearer and nearer to me. Roll every burden into me. Cast your whole weight on me. Never let go of your hold of me for a moment. That's connection right there. Jesus, thank you that you don't Judge us. You call us. You love us. You called us before we ever made a choice to move in your direction. And, and, and Lord, I know from time to time it's hard. We, we kind of lose our way. We lose the connection. And, and, and my, my prayer this morning is that all of us right now would have that desire to come back your direction, to move towards you, to open our hearts to you, to realize that we can be incredibly powerful productive, fruitful people. 
to live a life that looks like love. Because at the end of the day, that is the mark of a follower of Jesus, that our life looks like love. Help us to do that well. In Jesus' name we pray.